to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Larry Weedy Kind. Welcome to Relevant Recovery Radio, folks. Good to have you back. Uh, today, uh, we have Heather Mosier back with us. Hi. The Heather Mosier. The Heather Mosier. The Heather Mosier. <laughs> She's amazing, yeah. Hi. But she has a special guest, and her name is Ann Hull, mm-hmm. H-U-L-L. And Ann is very, very special to Heather because it's, it seems to me, based on what I know, mm-hmm. that without Ann, you might not be recovered. That's true. Well, so tell us that story. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really, Anne's my best friend. We've been best friends since, I think, sixth or seventh grade, um, which would be 1994. So 28 years, something like that. Um, and you both look under 30. Thank you. I mean, really, <laughs> yes. What, <laughs> but you can't be under 30. If it's uh, we're definitely <laughs> over 30. Definitely <laughs> <Okay>. under 30. <laughs> so um, Anne's an important person in my life. We have always grown up together. She lived with me for most of high school years. Mm-hmm. Even when um, we went to two different high schools, my mom would take me to my high school and take her to her high school. We've been very close. She calls my mom and dad, mom and dad. And... Uh, it's so important to to acknowledge God's orchestration and intervention in certain mm-hmm. things in our lives, and and Anne's one of those people for me. I'm going to try to not cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there was years where she needed my help when I was stable mm-hmm. in our twenties, mm-hmm. and and I was able to be there for her and and, and help her. Um, and this has nothing to do with drugs and alcohol. It was just her own, uh, you know, stuff going on in her personal life. And and then years later, when I turn 30 and I, I fall into drugs and alcohol and I disappear, um, I didn't want to be found, right? And, and so she wandered for, I'm sure, many sleepless nights and a lot of prayer, probably. And where, oh, my goodness. Where Wondering I was at where and, you were. Mm-hmm. How old were you then? Uh, tw- 30 to 33, 30, I was going to say that was in your 30s yes. when you really went, you started yes. going downhill. Right. Because yeah, I had been yeah. sober for years before that. This right. was two yeah. surgeries I had back to back that that yeah. I ended up being addicted to. And then it just spiraled from there to like right, heroin right. addiction. Yeah. You became a victim of, of overprescribing post-operatively. True. And, Not knowing right. I would be uniquely different and allergic to opiates when most people are not. But the doctors didn't catch it. I didn't catch it. And, mm. and it just spiraled. And, um, and so... Ann and I are so close. We can go two or three years at a time without talking, and we just always pick right up where we left off. We're that kind of friends, you know, and, mm. and we kind of get married, get divorced, go our separate ways, raise kids, come back together. But that chunk of time where I'm missing, and it's actually a funny story how she found me. <laughs> I don't know if I should share it, but uh, she saw me on the news. <laughs> well, Ann, well, Ann let, let's let, let Ann share tell it. Yeah, tell, tell the story, Ann. Um, I knew the extent of the circumstances and how far gone she was and uh, really um, felt helpless. I didn't know what to do or where to go. And my daily prayer was, Lord, just help me find her. Because in my opinion, if I could find her, I could, could hold her captive long enough to get her 
sober long enough to, you know, talk, talk some, some sense, sense into, into her. <laughs> <laughs> Me being oblivious to the, you know, the ins and outs of true addiction, mm-hmm. I was clueless on what to do, but I... Was, as I was, too, as a parent of Matthew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, you just, you don't, you don't know what you don't understand, and it was... Um, were you living with her parents in, the, in her parents' no, home? No, no. So this no. was... Because um, you were older at that Yes, yeah. many years later, um, it, it this was... You know, as our children were young, we raised our children together and spent a lot of time together. We were but even pregnant at the same time with yes. our first. No yes. yes. So our, <laughs> wow. our youngest children are like four months apart. Yeah. Um, when she got That's pregnant amazing. for the second time, I said, no, not for me. And then a year later, I had <laughs> yeah. my youngest son. So, <laughs> But I was standing in my living room and I was folding laundry after work and uh, breaking news comes on. I just happened to have the news on or the TV on. It wasn't even time for the news. And here's breaking news. We're looking for running suspects or something along those lines. And, and I'm folding laundry. And I literally see her face and I just fell apart. And I was like, OK, I don't ever watch TV. I don't really watch the news. I, I'm just standing here. and I'm like, OK, God, I hear you. I hear you. And from, from that moment forward, my daily goal was I'm going to find her. And um, and, you, and you saw her face in the news? Or I, I had been arrested. Uh, oh, okay, you uh, been yes. arrested. Oh, yes. Yes. one of many arrests. And, and so the guy I was running with was not a good person. And they were really after him. But ah, uh, it, oh. we landed up on the news. And you saw and her just, just randomly happen to see her. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. So that, <laughs> she knew what, what that county was, I was in at that, that was, point. So you, <laughs> yeah. knew, you knew where she was? That gave me, that um, well, I knew she was in jail at that moment. So I'm like, <laughs> right. okay, when, when, when is she, yeah, yeah, she going to get her. out of jail? And before I could go see her, she was released. Oh. Um, so that really just started this intermission in me of, um, Lord, I have to find her. I didn't know what I was going to do when I was going to find her. And then in my own mind of, I can fix this, I came up with this grand plan of if I could just go see her, my legitimate plan was I was going to kidnap her. (laughs) And I was going to keep her until she was sober so that I could fix it. Yeah, I I just wanted to baby shake her and be like, look at my face, like see me. Oh. I knew if she could see me, she could see a little bit of clarity. Mm, yes. um, and so I What did. a dear friend you, you were and are. Oh my goodness. But all my stable We should all have friends. dear friends like that. She was great, but I ran from her. I ran yeah. from everybody. Well, of course you did. Right? You, you were I addicted was, on, on opioids. I right. Mean, and I couldn't see uh, all the you forest care about for the is trees. getting your daily fix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so right. we didn't connect immediately after that. Um, I ended up living in a hotel and one night I did randomly yeah. call her and I asked her to take me to a pawn shop, right? That's what yeah. drug addicts do. A pawn shop. A pawn shop. And uh, she showed up. I had no idea. She showed up prepared to kidnap me. Oh, I did. <laughs> and you did. I did. She, she uh, was so, prepared so, to kidnap so me. I was prepared. We got 30 seconds left. How did you kidnap her? I didn't. She didn't. In my oh, mind, she, oh. I was prepared to. Ah, okay. I, so I was going to take her. I'll tell you what happened after the break, but it's incredible that God, I didn't know that he was working in my life and setting the stage for massive changes and orchestration coming through my best friend from childhood, Anne. And uh, I was just thinking, I need to go to the pawn shop today. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to pawn? Uh, a mixer. <laughs> a mixer. Okay. <laughs> that you probably an, stole an from someone else, right? An expensive yeah, kitchen aid mixer. Yeah. There was a kitchen All right, folks, we'll be right back. Don't go away. <laughs>
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. Uh, this is Larry Wittekind with Matthews Hope Foundation, and uh, we're here talking to Heather Mosier Hello. and Ann Hull, mm-hmm. two best friends all the way from like middle school, mm-hmm. middle school yep. or less, yeah. and uh, they both claim they're over the age of 30. <laughs> I do not believe them. They both look like they're 25 or something. Mm-hmm. Honest, honest goodness. Uh, two lovely ladies here, but they are both over the age of 30, mm-hmm. and they've seen a lot of life. Yeah. Both of them, and they have helped each other through life experiences. And uh, Anne is the one who actually went to the pawn shop, mm-hmm. as I understand it, that fateful day, <laughs> yeah. to meet you. Yes. As you traded in a mixer for $25? My, my KitchenAid mixer. KitchenAid mixer. I, it was at my ex-husband's house. I asked her to go get it. I asked her to bring it to me. And she saw this as an opportunity to see me. And, uh, and so we went that route. She uh, she came and picked me up from a hotel. She took me. I had no idea that she was planning to kidnap me, uh, but then did not kidnap me. She just dropped me off. And uh, and here's what's crazy is I remember getting a bag of clothes and going back into uh, the hotel room, not knowing she had plans to kidnap me. But what she did is she snuck a book into my belongings for me to find later. And if you're in a 12-step fellowship, everybody's familiar with like daily meditation readers. And this was a Jesus Calling book. So if, if you know what a Jesus Calling book is, that's, I do. that's what she snuck into my stuff. And she had written, me a, you, she'd written wow. me a letter on the front cover. And then she'd put a picture in it of her and I in Michigan 10 years before. Mm. And I did not find this when she put it in my stuff. In fact, we parted ways. I went back to yeah. doing what I was doing. I went to Kansas with a guy. I tried to get sober in Kansas, and that there's, there's apparently there's alcohol and drugs in Kansas, too. I didn't think that there was, and so that didn't work, and I came back to Oklahoma, um, and I'm living in another hotel room. The guy I was with goes to jail, and I start to pack my stuff to figure out what I'm doing because I'm going to be homeless again, and, and I find that book. This is probably three or four months later. I had yeah. no idea she oh put goodness. it in my bag. Wow. And, and I'm sitting there reading the letter she wrote to me. I'm reading the daily, whatever day of the week that was. I'm looking at the picture of her. And I'm debating calling her for help or calling my dad for help. I I knew I needed to go to treatment. I knew I needed physical separation. I knew I needed help. I'd already been to detox a few times and and jail and been locked up. I've been physically separated, and I was pretty jaded about treatment at that point because it didn't work, air Mm. quotes, right? Mm. Uh, I kept getting loaded again. And... My dad had said six months prior, Heather, you're dead to me. Don't ever call me. We're done helping you. He said, unless you want to go to treatment. If you want to go to treatment, you can call me. Don't call me if you're hungry. Don't call me if you want food. So. Had he, had he been going to Al-Anon? Oh, no. 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 But he just, he just, this was just logical for him. He said to me, you need more help than what I could ever provide you. Mm. And if I continue to help you, I'm prolonging the inevitable and I'm watching you kill yourself. Wow. And so in my dad, mom's eyes, they had to write me off and I can't while I'm still alive, but they had to do that to, so that I could find my willingness to change everything. Because why am I going to work a program or seek God if that's amazing everybody's that they helping had that me. kind of fortitude? They that's, did. That's my dad's difficult. a good Christian guy. And, yeah. and he so I didn't want to call her and I can't remember. I'm just bawling my eyes out reading this book. And it's like in the middle of the afternoon. And I knew she was probably at work and. For whatever reason, I called my dad, and uh, and I said I'm ready to go to treatment. This would have been my third time going, mm. and he should he drives very slow, my my daddy, and he should have taken an hour and a half plus to get from where he was to where I was, 
And he showed up in 45 minutes. So my dad rushed to me when I made that call. And in fact, at the exact time my dad pulled in the parking lot, a drug friend pulled in the parking lot at the same time and I could have went and gotten loaded instead. I could have hid from my dad and or shoot him off like I'd always done. And I just couldn't do it again to Anne and I couldn't do it to my dad again. For whatever reason, I was just like, I'm just going to go. And so I went to my third. it's a good thing he rushed. It's a good thing he rushed. Otherwise, it would have been too late, and I would have been somewhere else. And so God orchestrated that, too. My dad does not speed. (laughs) Um, And so I went with my dad, and I went to that detox in Oklahoma for the third time. And I knew I needed more than what I was getting from that detox. I didn't know what the more was. I didn't know Mm. what I needed. But I go to this detox again, and, and my parents are done with me. And during my time at the detox, I'm begging them to – because de- that detox I went to is nothing like Matthew's Hope detox that I have the pleasure and joy of working for now because their care model was just me- medical detox, taper, pat yeah. you on the butt and send you out, send right? You, yeah, three and, to five days. And probably. I kept getting loaded, and I kept yeah. getting loaded and not yeah. understanding. And Matthew's Hope detox, we have this full program – multiple things and we could talk talk about that but what i needed was the education to find out why i kept going back to it and why i couldn't stop and that it wasn't about willpower mm. that the addiction right. was stronger than my willpower right. right and they weren't telling me that either that or i didn't have ears to hear it yet i, I yeah, don't know but, that, but that's what totally happens possible. Is, yeah, <clears throat> you, having the ears to hear is so important important and that's one of the reasons why we use microcurrent neurofeedback yep. in our care model because that actually improves the ability to have ears to hear. Yeah, your brain convalesces so much quicker. Working in the detox with our clients at Matthew's Hope and and teaching spiritual curriculum, I get to see how receptive they are, how quicker. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible. I wish that I had had that opportunity my first time I chose to go to detox. Yes, yes. Uh, on top of the education of what the clinical team does and the mm-hmm. IASIS does and, and what I do spiritually there at the detox at it sets people up for yeah. success that most yeah. detoxes don't. Yeah. I wish Matthew had had that yeah. available. I wish I'd had it yeah. available, too. I wish, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So, so uh, you, I, of course, you got a little bit into our care model, uh, yeah. which I didn't intend to do. But, but folks, uh, our care model does work. Yeah. Right now, we're at 72% ongoing sobriety. Mm-hmm. A couple of those patients have relapsed um, once, but uh, they come back right away. Right. Uh, the care model that we have actually really does work. The The industry right now has a 6% sobriety rate right. in the first 90 to 100 days. Uh, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's a 94% relapse rate. Opioid addicts particularly have a 94% relapse rate, yes. and I was in that percentage for a long time because I wasn't the solution wasn't laid in front of me, mm. or I didn't have ears to hear it, or a combination of both. And so that's what we try to do at Matthew's Hope is mm. uh, help their brain heal with the ISS. We have an amazing clinical team, and they go to process groups, and they learn about it. We just have a unique care model. We are not just medically detoxing them and sending them out. No, Our detox not. is that's longer. Right. And we have a whole um, program of curriculum involved to help them educate so they know what to do when they get out. Then when we get, they get out, we follow them for two years post-discharge as far as the recovery support. You know, Heather, what, what you and other people on your team do is, is just amazing. I'm, I'm really impressed with uh, what I've seen uh, Jennifer O'Neill do, mm-hmm. what I've seen you do. Yeah. 
And now you have a third we male do. member, uh, Kenny. Kenny. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's fantastic. He's pretty impressive. He's in the hospital with the clients, and he's doing recovery support with me. And, and I always joke and say he's like a male version of me. And he kind of is. Uh, he's, he just loves God, loves the program, and loves helping people. Mm-hmm. And that's what God got us sober to do. And so we just that passion comes out when you're around us, and you can feel it. And it gets other people that are still detoxing excited about recovery for the first time. Yes, yes, right. And because of... Our ISS technology mm-hmm. uh, modality, our, our microcurrent neurofeedback, you know, it's amazing. You, you see clients actually start to focus, yeah. and then they, and then with prolonged use of this technology, even sometimes as little as three or four treatments. Mm-hmm. And by the way, each treatment focuses like twenty to thirty minutes. Right, it's really easy. It's painless, non-invasive, very quick, very quick but amazingly effective. And uh, the people around. Our clients see the changes first, oh, yeah. even after the first session, um, and and most most patients actually do uh, feel and notice a difference yeah. after the first treatment. For anyone like yeah. me who's detoxed off opioids or Suboxone or pain pills or, or any of that multiple times, it takes weeks to feel better and to function a, a lot of times, even with a taper. And that's not what I'm seeing at Matthew's Hope. And these clients are getting better much quicker. What the microcurrent neurofeedback actually helps do is your body, when you're detoxing and getting this stuff out of your system, whether it's drugs or alcohol, your body is not producing the endorphins that you need to feel better. Dopamine, serotonin. This is a way to create that without the use of chemicals. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. That's a good description. Yeah, folks, uh, don't go away. Uh, We're going to hear more from Ann Holtu in this next segment. Yeah, she has a lot to tell you. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. This is Larry Wittekind, your host, uh, Matthew's Hope Foundation Show. Uh, we're with Heather and we're Hello. with Ann. Say Hello. hi. hi. And uh, so Ann is going to tell us the rest of the story <laughs> about how she saved Heather with, with Heather's dad, yeah. right? You, you know, you just heard about how Heather's dad drove at lightning speed and actually got there at the same time that her drug dealer did. Yep. And that was amazing, actually, because her dad never speeds. Mm-mm. Never. Yeah, yeah. When I drive slow, you know something's really wrong. wrong. <laughs> yeah. My dad's but a country dad, guy, yeah. five miles under. Yeah. Right. So, Ann, yeah, how did that happen next? Um, I had been in communication with her family, obviously, during this whole time, and her family had uh, specifically had had a conversation with her dad where her dad said, we're done. We're we're not answering the phone. We're not helping. We're not providing financial support. I'm not going to give her a bologna sandwich type of conversation. And my take on that was um, a true friend doesn't give up. And I could not, no matter who else gave up on her, I was never going to give up on her. And I told her family that, and I told her dad that, and I said, I understand where you guys are how you feel and I understand where you feel like you need to cut that off and and that's okay but I'm going to answer the phone and I will always go Um, and the day that I slipped things into uh, her bag you know I just almost drove away with this overwhelming piece of I can't fix it for her and my prayer as I drove there to meet her that day to take her to the pawn shop was just let me say the right thing. Just let me say the right thing, Lord. Just give me the words to say to to break through to her. And um, 
you know, m- my initial goal was I was going to take her and I was going to keep her. And yes. I, I just drove away that night, wow. obviously not taking action on kidnapping her, <laughs> was um piece of it's not in my hands and this is too big for me to fix. And I had to give that away. And that was so hard for me. Um, it just... I felt almost like a failure at the same time as I knew, you know, it's okay for me to fail because he will not. Um, And 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 see, this is how parents feel, though. I mean, being a parent and losing my son, Matthew, and but going through his opioid addiction, because he was a victim, too, just like Heather, a victim of post-operative overprescribing of opioids. And he was particularly susceptible to OxyContin. He didn't like hydrocodone, but he loved Oxycontin, yeah. right? And he didn't realize mm-hmm. how addictive it was, but it really helped him with this post-operative pain. Mm-hmm. But then he became addicted, yeah. right? Same thing that happened to Heather. And that same thing that happens to 90% of yeah. opioid um, um, addicts, right? Dependents. So, but the fact that you didn't give up. There, I couldn't. I mean, The, the I parents had... gave up because, you know, mm-hmm. she had probably given the middle finger to her parents oh, yeah. too many times. Oh, yes. And they were yes. heartbroken. They were destroyed. I'd lied they to were them, devastated. Ran through yeah. their help. They were just devastated. And this happens, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so her dad picks her up and takes her yeah. to detox and he calls me and he says, he called me on the way there and he said, I'm going to get her. And then when he dropped her off, some conversation happened as far as. She's there and I'm done. It's not that it not that he said it's your problem now, but it was, you know, I, I've done my hands. part. I've done all I'm going to do. He handed, he handed you the baton, though, in yeah. so many words. You know, did. I feel like yeah. I, I probably more so picked it up um, yeah. because yeah. I was like still, you know, I went right back to like, I can fix this. I can fix her. I can I can save her, um, you know. It's, it's my turn to, you know, to be of help to her as she had helped me through so many things in my own life. And uh, so I pick her up and I everyone's calling me. Of, Don't stop anywhere. You go from point A to point B. If she says she has to go pick up her birth certificate, she's lying she's to you. Lying, you yeah. don't stop if anywhere. she needs a hamburger, she's lying. Yes. Yeah, Don't she, feed yeah. her. Don't go anywhere. You go from point A to point B. Get so to the airport. Somehow we had been talking while she was in the detox. I, I don't remember how all of, all of that worked. And so I knew she needed shoes and I knew she needed things, you know, items. And so I spent the whole morning shopping for her and getting her things that she needed to go get on this plane. And she was with and you the whole time. No, right? no, no, this is yet. before. No, I, I oh. took that very seriously. You go get her and you go from point A to point B. Okay. And that's what I did. And okay. so I remember to this day um, when I walked out of the elevator and up onto the floor to retrieve her from yeah. detox, she's in her room and she leans over and she just has this middle school smile all over again and she's waving to me like you know some kid waving at a trucker driving by just this huge (laughs) wave and this huge smile and that just filled me up and I'm like okay we can do this we can do this and so I drive her to the airport and you know I'm like I'm sure I'm like giving her this pep talk that means nothing to her. Um, And so I don't remember anything. She goes and gets in the security (laughs) line. And, you know, obviously this is after 9-11 and you can't go to the gate. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't go to the gate? Like, I need to make sure she gets on On the the plane. plane. (laughs) So I sat in the parking lot and I watched, um, you know, like the flight delays and departures and all of that 
on my cell phone and I did not leave the parking lot. And where I parked, I parked where I could see if she were to come out on the upper level. Not smart enough to think, hey, dummy, there's a lower level she could sneak (laughs) off there. But I sat there in the uh, parking lot with my car backed into the parking spot so I could see the entrance that I dropped her off at. And I sat there until five, ten minutes after the plane was in the air. And that at that moment was when I kind of could breathe a sigh of relief of like, yay, God, we did it. Like, yeah. it's, it's all going to be better now. Obviously, it wasn't. Right. But um, I think that really brought back that connection with us of um, after that time, she never hesitated to reach out to me, regardless of what state she was in. Mm-hmm. Because I still uh, didn't get sober and stay sober for another year. Yeah, another year. Another year. Yeah. yeah. So that detox unit did no, not no, work. And was I, that a 30-day program? No, it was what a was seven-day detox. I went to it three oh. times. And when, see, when see, she, so this is why we have a 10- to 14-day right. program. Because three days, five days, seven days. You know, if I, uh, let me just say, I am so angry with the way hospitals are treating addiction. Yeah. You go into an ER – in DTs, withdrawals, they put you in a bed for three days and you're out of there. Yeah. As soon as you're stable again, they give you IVs and whatnot, but as soon as you're stable again, then you're out of there. Yeah. And the hospital's making a lot of money yeah. on that three to five day stay. No responsibility for what happens when you're out on the street again. Nothing. Right. So yeah, I mean, let me tell you, I'm, I'm very, very upset about how hospitals do this. I had a long conversation well, it was a short conversation. I would have liked to, for it to be longer with Methodist Health System, some of the executives there last week. And I told them, I said, what you're doing is wrong. You know, you need Matthew's Hope in your hospitals, yeah. right? You need a program like ours because all you're doing is putting people on the street and they're dying. Yeah. And boy, the executive kind of blanched when I said, and they're dying, you know, because, because the inference was, you know, you, the way you handle chemical dependency is wrong. Yeah. And the you're relapse causing, rate and, you're causing and overdose death. rate for people immediately getting out of treatment is incredible because mm. you have it out of your system. And so yeah. the amount that you think you're okay to do, you're not okay to do. And, and right. you're playing Russian roulette, but you can't not because you're a chronic drug addict. Right, right. You still need, but, still need you your still fix. You can't. Right. And so when she picked me up to take me to the airport, it was because a different treatment center had accepted me to a 30-day program. And that was the program where I learned what was wrong with me and what I needed to do to stay mm. sober. However, I did not apply that. That's why I didn't stay sober for another oh, year. Okay. And so a year but later. that's when you learned. That's when I learned it. What was needed yep. was that plane trip. They gave me an that. adequate presentation of alcoholism and drug addiction and the solution for that. And and I knew it fit and I knew it was what I needed to do. But And you were sober. I was sober. I, I went seven detox. days sober to yeah. the new treatment center. Oh. And so I, I got about three months at that time. But, you know, three months out is the trademark line in the sand where most people relapse again. Right. The first th- right. 60 to 90 days after you leave. And and I did. I did, too. And uh, and so I. And the fact that 72 percent of our patients who have chosen our recovery support team. Still sober. Yeah, they're still sober. Imagine what would happen is. If we could get every single RST member mm-hmm. to ISIS treatment mm-hmm. twice a week, then once a week, then once every month, if we could do that in our program, think the about the success rate think, would skyrocket would even more. Skyrocket, yes. Right now, yes. our success rate is abnormally uh, incredible. It is, uh, but and, that's because of the recovery support team to your 
process. These people are know? taking suggestion. They're willing to get sponsors. They're willing to yeah. work steps. They're willing to continue with IASIS mm-hmm. and, and follow some support from our recovery mm-hmm. coaches and, and follow up with therapy and other things that they may need. Well, I just, and I just thank God for you because we an would angel. not have Heather. I mean, we would not have Heather I was just running our recovery support teams with Jennifer. It would be, I mean, I'm telling you, you know, it takes more than one person doing recovery support teams to actually even stick with it. It's really, really hard yeah. to do as a recovery support team person because, you know, uh, uh, opioid dependence, alcohol dependency, all of these, all of these um, addictions are really tough to deal with, yeah. just so tough to deal with. So, Anne, I just thank you so much. Thank you for being with us Absolutely. today. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you're welcome to come back anytime and tell more stories. <laughs> She's got plenty. <laughs> I, bet the, I, yeah, I bet there are better stories than what we've heard today. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's, um, I mean, you saved a life because you didn't give up. Yeah. That's the key. So all of you out here hearing me, don't give up on your loved ones. Call Matthew's Hope. And let us help you. 844-263-4673. Again, 844-263-4673. Call us and we will help you.